Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Greetings to you all in the mighty and the wonderful name of our Lord and the Savior Jesus Christ. And uh, really I bring greetings to you on behalf of the leaders and the elders of this congregation. We all pray that God will keep each and every one of us good uh, health and strength. And as all of you are aware of, according to our Bible reading program, today is Psalm 69. Our Bible reading program is Psalm 69. I expect each and every one of you to open your Bible and keep it op open until I finish it. Keep open your Bible. In this psalm, it is called the Psalm of David. So, 1 to 36. In this 1 to 36 verses, the psalm is a prayer of desperation. King David realizes that because he is hated by others and may shortly be killed, though he begs for rescue and calls down curses on his enemies, he concludes the psalm with a high note of praises, with influences concerning the coming messianic kingdom when all enemies of God's people are dealt with quickly and severely. So in this psalm expresses his feeling of any believer who is being horribly ridiculed but it uniquely refers to Christ. What I mean this psalm, the, the experience of King David in this psalm is applicable to the present situation and the condition of many of us. When we divide this psalm widely, and uh, as I said, it is overall, it is a prayer of desperation or worry or anxiety. From 1 to 28. So in 1 to 3, what he says, what we understand from verse 1 to 3, I divide them into and say it is a description of his situation. He describes his situation. What is that? 1 to 3. I will read only 1 and 3. 1, he says, Say me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. Third, I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my cart. That was his situation. Secondly, 4 to 12. 4 to 12 verses from 4 to 12. It is called... A reason for his situation. Why he has become like that? What is the reason? Verse 4. Those who hate me 
without a cause or more than the ace of my head they are mighty who destroy me being my enemies wrongfully though i have stolen nothing i still must restore it verse 12 those who sit in the gate speak against me and i am the song of the drunkards that was his situation thirdly the hope of his situation what is his hope from verse 13 to 18 verse 13 to 18 verse 13 i will read but as for me my prayer is to you o lord in the acceptable time o god in the multitude of your mercy hear me in the truth of your salvation and 18 draw near to my soul and redeem it deliver me because of my enemies that was his hope fourthly the reproach of his situation 19 to 21 reproach of his situation 19 you know my reproach my shame and my dishonor my adversaries are all before you is goes on i go for 21 they also gave me gall for my food and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink finally fifthly the revenge of his situation he takes revenge of his situation 22 to 28 verse 22 let their table became a snare before them and their well being a trap 28 let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be returned with the righteous so this was the desperation the prayer of desperation The second part is about 29 to 36 the promise of his salvation if you go through the 30 to 36 anyhow i'm going to not read it but what we understand from here is the psalm is conclude the song with holy joy and praise which he began with the complaints of his grief it is a great comfort to us that humble and thankful praises are more pleasing to god than the sacrifices the humble shall look to him and be glad those that seek him through christ shall live and be comforted god will do great things for the church in which let all who wish to well to it rejoice those that love his name shall dwell before him forever that was the 
promises from verse 30, 29 to 36. So dear children of God, from here I have chosen the promise for this week is verse 35. Psalm 69 verse 35. This is a promise for us and I feel that is very much applicable to us. I have gone through different uh, versions but the NLT says for God will save Jerusalem and rebuild the towns of Judah his people will live there and settle in their own land but here ESV or even uh, NASB says for God will save Zion and build the cities of Judah that they may dwell there and possess it. But NKGV what it says. For God will save Zion and build the cities of Judah and they may dwell there and possess it. What we understand from here why these promises to us are very much applicable in this time. When we divide it into three parts. In this psalm, first, for God will save Zion. What does it mean? That is, he will save his people, he will protect and defend them. This expresses the confident assurance of the psalmist that whatever might be the existing troubles, God would not forsake his people. Whatever might be the existing troubles, God would not forsake his people. Secondly, I will build the cities of Judah. So he will build the cities of Judah. What does it mean? The general idea here is, that God would be favorable to his land. God will be favorable to his land. That he would give success and prosperity to his people. He will give success and prosperity to his people. That he would manifest his mercy to them. This is the commentary says. That he would manifest his mercy to them. The last portion. That they may dwell there. And possess it. His people. God's people. May dwell there according to the ancient promises. As he promised to Abraham. The idea is. That he would be the protector of his people. And all his promises to them would be fulfilled. That was the commentary says. That was the meaning of it. So, this is very much, I feel personally, very much applicable to this person's situation. Those who are in a depressed situation or a discouraged, worry or anxiety... But God who comforts us. God promised us that he will take care of us. 
there is he assures us and not only our life and personally and also the land where we live i give all glory and praises to him let's pray our most loving gracious heavenly father we praise you and we thank you lord for the wonderful time that you given to us god we thank you because you always watch over us your eyes are always watching over us your ears are always attentive to the cry of your children whenever wherever we cry unto you lord you hears us and you answers us that is the confidence what we have as we read and understood from the experience of king david many of us even in this land facing the same situation of father if there is any one of us whoever they are father thank you that you have spoken to them and you encouraged them from your promises because all your promises are yes and amen father fulfill these promises in the lives of your children fulfill the desire of your children protect them preserve them oh father lord meet every need of your children yes dear father let peace be their portion let there be peace in our nation where we stay father it is you who are the solution for everything the whole world the rulers of the nations may have their own understanding wisdom and trials and all lord but we trust in you and in your word and you are the wisdom father give them the wisdom and let there be peace in our nations very specially in this situation we pray for each and every family and everyone who is sitting before you as you are going to speak to us let your anointing be upon your servant holy spirit of god take control over him and as we are going to hear your word let your word has its purpose in our life spiritually and also in all the way to take care of us so father father we pray for your children those who are sick and lord weak physically touch them and heal them continue lord restore their life restore whatever they lo- lose it of father lord strengthen your children by your strength we thank you lord we thank you we surrender the rest of ours into thy hand let your name alone be glorified in jesus precious name we offer this prayer amen praise the lord church you're all welcome to another day to another friday service this morning afternoon by the grace of god it's a pleasure to be with one of you each one of you sitting from your homes and it's a privilege to share this message with you before i go ahead i would just like to have a word of prayer father lord we say thank you for a time like this we thank you for this beautiful day you have made in which we we'll rejoice and be glad in you lord we thank you for gathering of your children in their various homes to listen to your word. 
Lord, we know that your word has no boundaries. So, Father Lord, as this word goes out, Father Lord, we pray that it will accomplish everything that you have set out for it to accomplish. Lord, I pray against the spirit of distraction in our homes. Lord, I pray for the spirit of attentiveness that everyone will receive what you have planned for him to receive. Lord, I ask that you shall use me for your glory, Father Lord. I ask, Lord, that the words I speak shall not be my words, but words from you, Father Lord. Lord, we say thank you. Lord, we ask that you'll be exalted, Father Lord, by the time this message is done. For in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Hallelujah. I've been thinking for some time now about what to, uh, to share with you as a church in times like these. And uh, I had prepared a message, but uh, I was asking God for guidance. And the last time we had our Kessel meeting, our sister shared on that topic. And God showed me that this was not what he wanted me to share with you. What I have to share with you today is something that I've, uh, has been laid off in my heart from the beginning of the year. I penned it down, I wrote it down, but God did not give me a release to release at that, to share at that particular point in time. But now God has said, this is what I wanted to share. And I've just come to understand that we're midway in the year. June will be halfway. It's halfway of the year. By June 30th, we're going to halfway of the year. And uh, we started this year, and it's a year of the Word. And that's why I titled my message, The Word of God. So God in his own infinite mercy, he had wanted us to he wanted me to remind us, each one of us, about it's a year of the word of God. And what are the important things about the word of God. So I'll be sharing about the word of God. And we're going to go through a lot of scripture passages. So I pray that you have your Bible with you, wherever you're sitting, to be able to go through. And you have your jota, your pen you'll be able to take notes. And I believe as you do that, God will speak to you. At the end, time permitting, we'll make certain declarations based on the word of God. So, and our text for today, I have two texts that I'm going to read for the message. We have so many Bible verses, but these are the main ones. The first one is found in Psalms 119 verse 11. The book of Psalms, chapter 119, verse 11. And it says, Your word I have hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. That's the New King James Version. I'm reading for the New King James Version, by the way. All my scriptures will be in the New King James Version. Your word I have hidden in my heart, that I might not sin against you. That's Psalm 119, verse 11. John 14, 15. It says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, commandments there is like the word of God. And it's talking about love. Okay? Now, when we talk about the word of God, there are a couple of things that we can talk about. It's like reading a book, for example. Okay? And sometimes you find out that several books that we are all interested in our day-to-day -day lives. 
There are so many books that we have read. It can be social books, it can be educational books. It can be different types of literatures. But there must be a reason in which we're reading that book. Praise the Lord. Now, we're reading some books so we can get certain things in return. When you're opening those books, you're trying to get things in return. If I'm not mistaken. Sometimes, as you're reading it also, you're expecting to get to a climax, to an end point. In the storyline or whatever is going through. Sometimes it's also maybe to an ends, to a means. Okay? To a degree, to money. I mean, our children are in school. We have all gone to school. Okay? And we must have read so many books. Some of the books I read, I keep on wondering why I had to read all those books. Very, very thick books. Very, very thick books. You know, from high school up to university. There's one I can remember. I'm not an electrical engineer, but it's called Taraja. I think it's Taraja, yes. And it was written by an Indian author. But that book was humongous. Very, very, very big. But we're expected to read that to find an end. To a means. For us to be able to find a way. And sometimes also, we might pick a book and just read it out of interest. Some people like romantic novels. I can remember those days in uh, high school. I think there was a particular uh, story that uh, edition, they call it Mills and Boons. And all the ladies then were always reading those stories. And you had a white uh, knight on a horse coming to the rescue. That was interest. Some people, it's political books. They can read it. Or newspapers. Okay? That is the interest we have. And sometimes we're so engrossed in these books that we don't have time to do everything. Especially if the books are in series. Especially if the books are in series. Sometimes you can forget what is happening around you because you're so much into a book. Now, I've seen it in my house. I have two members of my house. They said I shouldn't mention their names. But if they're reading books, believe me, the attention is solely into them. There's no distraction. No one can disturb them. That's the kind of attentiveness we have. And that's the reason why people read books. But one of the things is, is the Bible a book? Well, to the circular mind, it's a book. But for us, we have a different definition. But I'll still pick the circular definition of the Word of God. Because they also recognize God. Here, it says the word of God is a manifestation of the mind and the will of God. Manifestation, mind and will of God. Please take note of those things. Okay? Or the second definition is a sacred writings of the Christian religion. In this case, the Bible. Sacred writing of the Christian religion. Manifestation and will of God. Okay? Now, those are the definitions that we have. And from that, you can find out that this thing is live. It's more than just a book that people will think is a book. You know? And even other religions describe it as the holy book. The book. The people of the book, as we are known. The people of the, the book, as we have known by some of our cousins. But from the above definitions, the word can be a noun. As I have just rightfully described it. 
It can also be an adjective in the form of communication. Give you a word in it. Okay? Now, I'm going to look at the Bible as a noun. I'm going to look at the Bible as something solid. I'm going to look at the Bible as the writings they're talking about, the writings from God, about the physical one. And all of us within our homes, we must have gone through the Bibles, we're having our Bible, and there are different reasons, reasons why we read the Bible. Various reasons. Some of us are reading it traditionally because our parents were reading it. We grew up seeing our grandparents, we grew up seeing our parents reading the Bible. And so we too have continued to read the Bible in that format. Two, some of us also read it spiritually. Oh, if I wake up this morning and I don't read my Bible, something bad is going to happen. So I have to go back and read my Bible. It becomes more like an oracle. You have people that fear if they don't read the Bible, something will come out of it. Okay? So they go daily. If they miss any time, they feel, oh, whatever has happened today was because I didn't read her Bible. Some also read it educationally. To know the facts then. They might not believe in it, but they want to know what the Bible says. And they go and read it. So now, in that, in that regard, it's not only Christians. Even non-Christians can read the Word of God. Just to get an education, to get an understanding, to get an insight. Sometimes people also read the Bible from a denominational point of view. What does the Bible say about my denomination? What can I cherry pick different from the other denomination? Well, how is it different from that of the Catholics? How is it different from that of the Orthodox? What do I believe differently from the other people? The other one also, some people might read it professionally. People might be extracted for prayers. When I put professionally, I'm talking within the church success, or to even prepare a sermon. Okay? And that a lot of men, people that are in leadership, people that are members of church, they are asked to come and share, they read it in that form. Sometimes it does not even take root longer than that, uh, deeper than that. Some also read it proudly for the reason of arguments, for the reason of uh, arguing with other people about the word of God. So those are the major, major reasons why people sometimes read the Bible. But there's a right way in which we're to read the word of God. We are to read the word of God in love. In love. That's why the text at the beginning says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love God, you will keep my commandments. If you love God, you will read my word. That is the way we are supposed to read the Bible. Out of love. And when you love something, there is no limit to what you can do. Praise the Lord. There is no limit how far you will go. There is no limit that you will say, oh, I've done it for today. There is no limit to the understanding that you will get from it. The other one also, if you're supposed to read it like, a, like someone that's hungry, you're supposed to be able to crave for it. That also falls into the part of love. If you love something, you'll crave for it. Let's speak for food. For example, if you love a certain type of food, you'll crave for it. 
you will love it. You know, I had a friend, I can remember we were in secondary school, and uh, they asked him, what is his favorite food? And in Africa, we have food that is called yam. You know, so he was asked to give uh, his food, what his diet uh, is at home. How is the meal plan at home? What do they eat on an average day? And he's from Benway, and he loves yam. And they asked him, what do you have in the morning? He said, yam. He said, what do you have in the afternoon? He said, yam. And what do you have in the evening? He said, yam. And the teacher was very, very surprised because yam is a tuber almost like potatoes or they are bought. And the teacher asked him, how do you do that? And he said, in the morning we fry it, in the afternoon we boil it, and in the evening we pound it. What am I saying here? I'm saying here, they love yam in the house so they could eat it in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. That is the way we are to love the word of God. Now, that is just a way by introduction. Now, one of the things you also have to find out is there are various attributes of the word of God. Some of these you would already know, but I would like to remind you about some of these attributes. Because one of the important things about life is what you believe about the word of God will shape how you use it and how you respond to it. I repeat myself again. What you believe about the word of God will shape how you use it and how you respond to it. If you don't have any belief in it, it won't shape anything you. And you won't respond to it in any way. We have a constitution. I mean, you go to constitution in the various countries. Whatever we believe in it is how we respond to it. And that is the finality. And anything that happens, whatever it goes to the court, is the constitution. And that's how we respond to it. In so many ways, it's your belief. React how you respond. So one of the first attributes of the word of God, okay, is there's life in the word of God. There's life in the word of God. And there's so many things, so many scriptures that will back me in this. If you go to John chapter 6 verse 63, it says, It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirits and they are life. That is in John 6, 63. The words I speak to you are spirit and they are life. It regenerates life. In 1 Peter 1, 23, Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. The word of God is enough to change one's life. It's enough to give life to something that is dead. It's enough for someone to be able to live again. Something that was dead, something that was given up, that I've given hope on, it's able to bring back to life. That's how powerful the word of God. Salvation is by the word of God. Psalm 19, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Most people 
in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, the New Testament, starting from the New Testament up to the present day, most people have been converted by hearing the soul, saying the word. Their souls have been converted from hearing the word of God. It has given salvation. It has changed people. When the apostle would stand up in those days and preach, it was the word of God that gave people salvation. There's no salvation without hearing the word of God. I've hardly heard anybody that has not been shared or has not heard the word of God before being converted. So I said there's life, it regenerates life, and there's salvation. One of the things you also have to find out that this word has been consistent from ages past. Last week I was going through a study of my times and how the Bible came about. And you'll find out it has been consistent, it has been backed by evidences. Anything they find in this modern world backs up the word of God. And that's where there's life. Now, let's rewind and go back to the start of time. The world was created by the word of God. By the Logos that was spoken. In Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 to 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And the darkness was on the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. That was a word that was taken out. That was a word that was given. Let there be light. And it was spoken and it gave light. And all the other creation was by word. By the word of God. And every other thing. Since the word was created by the word of God, every other thing is held by the word of God. I want you to understand that. It was created by the word of God, so every other thing is held by the word of God. In Proverbs 18, verse 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life. Power of the tongue. All things are heard by the word of God. Even when you go to court, let's even go to the secular, you're sentenced to death by hanging. It's spoken. Is by the word of God. And that person is executed. So talk more of the spiritual. One other thing also is. You also find out that it also extends your life. It extends your life. Your physical life. It extends it. Proverbs 3, 1 to 2. My son, do not forget my law. But let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life. And peace they will add to you. You'll notice a lot of men of God live to the ripe old age of 70 and above. God bless Ravi Zacharias that just passed away. I think he was 70 plus. He did his time. Billy Graham was far, far older than that. I think Billy Graham was 80 or 90s, thereabouts, I'm not too sure. Now, if you go and check these, some of these men, it's not about the dieting, it's not about the exercise, it's not about the genes. God has said in these days and age people live 70 and above. But God knows the reason how long somebody goes. But whatever it is that has made these people to live this long is in the word of God and they have followed it. Issues about dieting, issues about exercising or genetics, it's all written in the word of God. If you go to Proverbs, it talks about eating things that are not too much. too much. You go to the book of Daniel and you find out what Daniel ate. He didn't eat the king's food. 
and you can find out what type of king's food there was and what kind of food he wanted. So there are so many examples from the word of God. And that's why in Matthew 4, 4, our Lord Jesus Christ said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That means there is more to the word of God. So the first point I said is, it is life in the word of God. The second point I have is, there is power in the word of God. Okay? The word of God comes with a guarantee. And what is my guarantee? My guarantee comes in, in Hebrews 4, 12 to 13. Hebrews 4, 12 to 13. For the word of God is living, as I said earlier, and powerful, as I'm saying now, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing into the divisions of soul and spirit, and joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to see. The eyes of him to whom we must give account. And apart from that also, that is also backed by the other verse in Isaiah 55 verse 11. Isaiah 55 verse 11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not to return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which he has, he has sent it. Now, what am I saying? You find out that that is a guarantee. That is the guarantee of the word of God. To accomplish everything. It's powerful. It's powerful. We have examples. The power to heal is there. The centurion. I was having my devotion the other day and you brought me back the story of the centurion. In Matthew 8, chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 8. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. But only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Speak the word and my servant will be healed. Speak the word and my servant will be healed. That was unbeliever at that time. In Psalm 107 verse 20, it says, Psalm 107 verse 20, He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destructions. He didn't send an army. He didn't send medical doctors. He didn't send nurses. He sent his word and heal them. In Job 22, 28, it says, you declare a thing and it will be established for you. So light will shine on your way. Praise the Lord. The power to heal is the word. Now you will see our Lord Jesus Christ. Everything he did was with the power of the word. When he met Lazarus, he said, Lazarus, come forth. He spoke the word. When there was chaos at sea, like we're having now in the world, he said, peace, be still. He spoke. When he was healing, he said, your faith has made you whole. All that Jesus said was by the command of the word. He never asked anybody he wanted to heal to go and take medication. He never asked them to go and do a ritual. Go to River Jordan, dip yourself seven times. No, 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 no. He asked them. He healed them and then he only asked them to go and show themselves to complete whatever is required. He asked us to go and see the best medical consultant in Israel at that time. He spoke the word. He spoke the word. 
And that's why maybe no wonder I was also looking at it and I was just guessing. Maybe that's why Luke, that wrote the book of Luke, the one that's a physician, was not chosen among the first disciples. Either his career would have been rendered useless at that time because Jesus just spoke the word. Now, these words are powerful. And to show you how it is that God does not change anything. I mean, when the power comes, it comes with powerful the words, depending on how you use it. So our words can be positive and it can be negative. <laughs> so understand this. It comes with power, but how you utilize it can be negative or positive. So you have to use your word in a positive manner. A father speaks bad about his child, the child will not be any good. It will follow him. All the people that were cursed by the parents, or cursed by the leaders, or cursed by the prophets, the ending did not come good. Some was out of anger, and that was it. So we should know how to measure our words, how to use that power. Having said that, okay, having said that, we have to know what God's word is about our present situation. Now, church, if you have not got anything, you want to understand this now. What is God's word saying about your situation? I want you to understand nothing. In the midst of this chaos, what is God saying? What's the word of God saying to you? In the midst of your sickness, what is God saying? What's saying towards you? All you need to know is the word of God. What is God saying about a particular situation? I can remember vividly of recent when my son was in the hospital. And when everything happened and I asked him, I just said, God, where, where is this coming from? Where is the word? I want a word from you. I want a word. Just a word from you and I'll be okay. And he gave me the word. Which, I mean, I, mean, I was expecting a word of healing. But in fact, Psalm 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. That's what he told me. Be still. I know that I am God. I did all the necessary things, followed up with the doctors, but I was still. People were praying, I was still. And people came to know that he was God. His name alone was glorified. Because he says, I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted in the earth. And whatever was coming out, negative in our life, whatever situation that was coming at that time, God's name was glorified. So I say unto you, Find the word of God in your situation. And God will see you through. And you remember that word. That word will keep you going. Because the aim is, it is for each one of us is to walk in the power of God. We need to walk in the power of God. As Christians, especially in times like this, we need to walk in the power of God. That was number two. Number three, there's wisdom, discernment in the word of God. Wisdom, and discernment in the word of God. Joshua 1.8 says, we all know it. The book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Okay? That was what he told Joshua. And I'm going to ask something here. One thing I know is sin will keep you from this book. 
or this book will keep you from sin. There are two parts of it. Sin can keep you from the word of God or the word of God will keep you from sin. So you choose which one. You go out and you find out most worldly, moral rules, regulations, constitutions have their roots from the word of God. Have their roots from the word of God. There's nothing that is put out there as law in the country that is not found in the word of God. I can remember when I was coming out to the Middle East. People were surprised. Oh, how are you going to manage? How are you going to do this? It's such an oppressive environment and everything. Especially coming from the West. I said, well, it's not difficult for me. Provided there's a church and I can worship, that is all I require. Any other thing, I'm born again and I don't belong to those vices. So anything I'm missing, I'm going to miss in the world West? No, I'm not. Because the laws of this land do not encourage that kind of lifestyle. So it's only people that indulge in that are going to miss. Provided I have my church, I have my brethren, we can fellowship, we can share the word, then I'm okay. Every type of other standard of life, I don't belong to that part of the world. So you find out most rules, whatever it is, whatever it is, the Lord will lead you aright. Now, we have a lot of youth among ourselves. Psalm 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to the word of God. There's a lot that's happening. And I'm speaking to the youth now. There's a lot that's happening. You're all wondering, you're bewildered in 2020. Where am I going to be? I'm at crossroads. Respect to jobs, respect to marriages, the future, etc. What is going to happen to me? I have so much expectations. I'm just finishing high school. I'm about to go to, I'm just finishing university. What is going to happen to me? All your answers are found in the word of God. That's why I challenge you. If you follow into that youth bracket, go deeper in the word of God. When you go deeper in the word of God, he will show you what he has in store for you. You know, sometimes God will give us our daily wisdom from this. Our daily wisdom. In James 4, 13 to 14, it says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. We make plans. We make plans. But it's only God that can show us the way. In these times that we're in, we need wisdom to navigate. We need wisdom to know what to do, where to go, how to be prepared, what to give priority with respect to the season we're in. I'll give you an example. My family and I were supposed to travel in May. And I'm the kind of person that likes planning early. Apart from planning early, okay, you might be able to even get a cheaper flight ticket. And uh, I was trying to book this ticket. I booked, I mean, it was giving difficulty. I tried it over one week or two weeks. That was before this corona pandemic. But I, there was something that said me, don't book this ticket, don't book this ticket. And I was fighting within my mind. I said, 
Why would I not book this ticket? Later on, if I wait, it's going to be more expensive. It's going to be more, more expensive. You know? And I started looking with my human mind. I finally booked it. And I felt I got a good deal. And I was happy with myself. And the corona epidemic came in. Everything grounded. What we was to go for was cancelled. I didn't hear the word of God. I didn't hear the Holy Spirit telling me, no, don't do that. Now, if God can speak to me about that, he can speak to anybody about anything in your life. But you need wisdom to discern. You might not see it. But the word of God will be able to see it. Discerning the heart, discerning the mind. It's important to listen to the prayer of God. One of the things we're going to be studying, I'll let the cat out of the bag, is the book of Ecclesiastics. In our next KSL meetings, I will encourage everybody, be attentive, learn about it. Learn about the book of Ecclesiastics. It will teach you a lot about the times we're in. And it will give you wisdom, whatever you have. And I'll tell you, throughout this year, God has given me so many words. And I've been running with it. I've been running with it. I've been running with the word. And some of them have come to pass. Some of them have come to pass. The word of God. One of them, I'll just share one of them with, you, with everybody. God gave me the word. Habakkuk 2, verse 2 to 3. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. By the end of it, it will speak. It will not lie. Though it tires, wait for it. Because it will surely come. Do not tire. Do not tire. One of the things I found out is God speaks. God speaks. Sometimes we do not take it to notice. Beginning of last year, I can remember I was sleeping and God showed me the dream of Joseph. Seven years of plenty. Seven years of famine. And I was looking at God, I said, what kind of dream is this? What kind of message is this? You know? I, I just didn't understand what it was coming from. And I put it, I said, okay, it's one of those dreams. Maybe Joseph dreamt it. I don't know why I'm dreaming it. But at the turn of the year, in 2020, I can start seeing things unfolding. Things are being difficult. One of the things is God will have a word for each one of us. Number four. The word of God gives us joy immeasurable. God's plan for us is to live in joy, in happiness, and in peace. Psalm 119 verse 103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Psalm 119 103, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. The Lord of, word of God is meant to give us a melody in our lives. So I've just given four attributes of the word of God. It gives life. It's powerful. It gives wisdom and discernment. And it gives joy immeasurable. Now, if all these things are found in the Word of God, then why don't we read the Word of God? 
why don't you read the word of God? If I was in church, I would have asked, who read your passage of Psalm today? I would have asked. But I'm not in church, I'm not asked, but have you read it? That is what we're talking about. Then why is it so difficult for us to read the word of God? If we have all these four benefits that I've given to you, why is it so difficult? So I'll come back home now, and I'll say, what are the things that are giving us difficulty? One is lack of understanding and ramifications of the word of God. Understanding of these four things I've given that the word of God comes or understanding of the word itself. I'm not an art student, so I can't even understand Shakespeare. There's no amount of Shakespeare you speak to me, I'll understand it. Some people will come and they're coming to born again, and the first Bible they pick is King James Version. <laughs> That'll be very difficult. During my foundation discipleship class, I always tell people take the easy translation. Take the easy translation, you can graduate to other things that are more closer towards the original tongues. I've not graduated to Latin yet because I don't understand Latin or Greek, but I'm happy with the new King James. I've not even gone to King James because it's difficult for me. If you can remember, Philip met the Enoch. He said, I said, how can I unless someone guides me? I asked Philip to come up and sit with him. Some people lack understanding of the Bible. But we know in Proverbs 27, 7, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the continents of his friend. You need understanding. You need your fellow Christians to depart, to part the word in you. You need to be an environment where you can get understanding. The church gives you that environment to get certain understandings. But you have to utilize it. And also, above all, you need the Holy Spirit. If you're born again, you need baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because in John 16, 13, it says, However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on His own authority. But whatever He hears, He will speak and He will tell you things to come. Wisdom about the times. The Holy Spirit is there to guide us. So you have to have a better understanding. It's lack of understanding that makes a lot of us not read the Bible. Number two, the reason why some of us don't read the Bible is because we do not see the benefits immediately. Some of us want our food done like yesterday. I want to be able to sit down and say, Lord, I pray today. And tomorrow you walk out. God answers. But the thing is, God will answer at his own time. You read the Bible, you might not get understanding. You might read a portion for the past 10 years. Then one second, the understanding comes. So some of us, we cannot have, we cannot expect to read the word of God like Indomie noodles that you just put on fire and expect it. To flourish immediately. Another thing is distractions and concerns of the world. In Matthew 4 4, he says, said, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Word of God. Concerns. Concerns of the world. What will I eat? What school will my children go to? How well is the education? 
oh, what would I wear? Where would I put my roof overhead? When I retire, how am I going to retire? All this is giving us distraction. And the more and more we see it day in, day out, we're being distracted. God has given us children as a blessing, not for us to be distracted. I say that again, mothers, parents, daddies, God has given us children not to be a distraction, but for us to be more grounded in the word of God. The future is secured. All you have to do is teach them the word and God will take care of every other thing. Number four, familiarity. Have you been along that word? Sometimes they'll say familiarity brings contact. You grew up in a Christian home. They read the word every day. So, yeah, this is the Bible. Oh, I can give the Ten Commandments. I just walk off. But you're not reading it in love. Number five is self-sufficiency. Why do I need the word of God? I can handle it on my own. I can do fine. I have a good job. I have a good family. I'm living the life. But this has been debunked with the current pandemic. The world is on its knees over an invisible virus. And Deuteronomy 8.3, God spoke about this. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. God, what did he God say? He says, So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna which you did not know, or did not, or nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The world has been brought to their knees over a virus. Shows them they don't have ultimate authority over the earth. There's a God somewhere and he rules in the affairs of men. He has locked people down in their homes to say, yes, I can do it. I'm the powerful God. That self-sufficiency, there's no self-sufficiency without God. There is no self-sufficiency without God. God is a life wire. And the life wire is found in the word of God. Okay? So I've just mentioned one or two things. But how do I love the word of God? You have to listen, study, and meditate on the word. You have to listen, study, and meditate on the word of God. And I'll say this. The volume of his word in you determines your level of faith in him. The volume of his word in you determines your level of faith in him. If your faith will increase, you must be addicted to God's word. Romans 10, 17 says, So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Deuteronomy 6, 7-9 You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand that they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on your doorsteps of your house and on your gates. So that is the way how we study, how we meditate. That's the same thing that God said to Joshua. In Ezekiel 3.3, he says, he was speaking to the prophet Ezekiel. He said to me, Son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with this scroll that I give you. So I ate and it was in my mouth like honey in sweetness. They ate it. So after listening, study, and meditate, you need to season your daily speeches with scripture. Number two, I'm not asking you to just go and speak Christianese, but in your wording, in your interaction with your wife, in your interaction with your friend, quote scripture without regard to your circumstances. Speak to one another with the, Christ, with, with, with the scripture. It will help you embody it. It will help you to live it. 
you also have to preach the word to yourself. That's number three. Preach the word to yourself. Have you noticed if you go through the Bible, most of the kings will sit down and they will ask the word of God to be read to them. You go out in your car, put it on tape or put it on CD. In your room, put it. The word of God comes in various forms. It can be a sermon. It can be music, godly music. It will minister to you. The other night, I had a night vigil of listening to Christian music. Believe me, I sat at about 10 till about 3 or 4. I was just listening to Christian music with my headpiece and worshipping God. That was just it. But it was ministering to me. So you have to preach to yourself. Sometimes you might be looking like a mad person in your house. You're talking to yourself. This is what the word of God says. You have to preach yourself. You have to absorb it. You have to memorize it. And number four, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So you listen, study and meditate on the word number one. Two, season your daily speeches with the scripture. Three, very important, preach the word to yourself. And if you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, get yourself filled with the Holy Spirit. The church has helped us, has given us a calendar. My calendar is just by my bedside. When I wake up, that's the first thing I see. And to see what scripture I need to read apart from my daily devotional. You need to imbibe that discipline. Now that we're in lockdown, there's no reason why you cannot do that. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So I've spoken about it. I'll just give you a summary of what I've spoken. I've spoken to a certain length. I've given the attributes of the Word of God, life in the Word of God, power in the Word of God, wisdom in the Word of God, and joy immeasurable in the Word of God. And I've also presented to you what poses as difficulty challenges for us to better understand ourselves. Lack of understanding. Benefits are not seen immediately. Distractions, which is the most important one. Familiarity and self-sufficiency. And I've also given remedies on what we're supposed to do with the Word of God. Okay? We have to listen, meditate on the Word. We have to season our speeches. We have to preach the Word daily. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Now, if the word of God is life, I'm not going to allow us to leave without making certain declarations. Job 22:28 says, You will also declare a thing and it will be established for you. So light will shine on your ways. I believe in the word of God. And we're going to pray and we're going to make some declarations. Wherever you are, I want you to rise up. Because we're making these declarations in the presence of the God Almighty. And we're going to declare into our lives, into the situation that we find ourselves in. And you listen and you follow me. Number one, you will say this out loud. You have to confess this out loud. And heaven is recording it. According to your word. Say it. According to your word. I, Emmanuel Marcus, put your name there, declares that I shall walk in divine health. No virus, sickness is permitted near me. My family and abode in the mighty name of Jesus. I shall live 
and fulfill my destiny in the mighty name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. That's the According to God's word, that is what God has asked us. Number two, if you go to Psalms 84 verse 11, it says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So the second declaration, according to your word, repeat after me, according to your word, I, mention your name, declares I will prosper. My needs shall be met. I will lack nothing good in the mighty name of Jesus. I will not be a man or woman of yesteryears. My light shall not dim. I will grow from strength to strength. My influence will be great in the mighty name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Number three, in James 1.5, it says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally without approach, and it will be given to him. Number three, according to your word, I, Emmanuel Marcus, receive wisdom from above to navigate these precarious times. I will understand the seasons and times. I will understand happenings around me. I will understand the future to the glory of God. Praise the Lord. And number four, the last declaration. John 16, 33. These things are spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulations as we have now. You have tribulations. But be of good cheer. Be happy. I've overcome the world. So number four, you say, according to your word, I, Emmanuel Marcus, declares that in the midst of all the chaos, I shall walk in peace. I shall walk in joy. I shall walk in happiness in the mighty name of Jesus. I will not be moved in my job. I will not be moved in my finances. I will not be moved in my community. For you are there to give me peace. And so shall it be in the mighty name of Jesus. I agree with you by faith in the mighty name of Jesus. That everyone for everyone that has declared these things. So shall it be in your family in the mighty name of Jesus. So shall it be in your life in the mighty name of Jesus. Every day in the season where declare the word. Search the word. Search the word. And the God reveals the word. Declare the word. In conclusion. How much of the word of God do you have in you? Take a rain check. We're halfway the year. How much do we have you imbibed in it? In these uncertain times, it's the word of God that's our foundation. The Lord will help us. The Lord will help us to read it, to meditate on it. He will give us the word as he has promised and our lives will be good for it. In the mighty name of Jesus. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we say thank you. Once again, we thank you for a time like this. We thank you for the message that you have given me to share with our brethren, Father Lord. Lord, you have re-emphasized the importance of the Word of God, of your Word, Father Lord. Lord, as you have started this year as a year of the Word, you had a reason. You knew the future ahead of time. And you knew this is what will see us through this period, Father Lord. I pray that everyone will go back to the Word of God, Father. And Lord, I pray as everyone goes back, Father Lord, you will speak to everyone. 
everyone that has issues about the future, about the times, Father Lord, you will speak to us, Father Lord. You will speak to us, Father Lord. You will show us the way, Father Lord. You will show us the priorities, Father Lord, in this time and seasons, Father Lord. Lord, we continue to pray for our brethren, Father Lord. Some that are ill, Father Lord, the word has gone forth. They shall be healed. And we believe it, Father Lord. We pray for those that are working the front lines, Father Lord. In the various hospitals, Father Lord, they are protected because the word has gone forth, Father Lord. We pray those that have lost jobs, Father Lord. Pray for those, Father Lord, that have half income slash. Those that do not know what the future holds for them, Father Lord. Lord, the word has gone forth, Father Lord, that you make a way where there seems not to be any way. You are the great provider, Father Lord. That's what your name is, Jehovah Jireh. And Lord, we know that you will provide, Father Lord. Lord, your word has gone forth that we shall have peace, we shall have joy. And so shall it be with our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray for the church. Father Lord, I pray, Father Lord, that you will give us direction in these times. Show us what priority is, Father Lord. Help us to get ready for your coming, Father Lord. And get ready with as many people, Father Lord. We pray for the leadership of nations, Father Lord. Lord, so many things are happening around the nations. We're not blind to it. But Father Lord, your word says, peace be still. And Lord, we're praying that that peace will come upon every part of the world, Father Lord. Pandemic rights, Father Lord, their word will come up, come down. And Father Lord, I pray that your name alone will be glorified. I pray for the leaders, Father Lord, that you will give them wisdom to pilot the affairs of the country. Father Lord, I pray for each one of them, Lord, that they will only take godly decisions. Lord, we pray for our own community, Lord, man, Father Lord. We thank you for how far you have brought us. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you open the doors that we'll be able to fellowship with one another, Father Lord. And Lord, we will give you thanks to all that you have done for us during this lockdown. Thank you, Father Lord, for in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Let's share the benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Surely, God's goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. And amen. Go ahead and we'll have a wonderful week ahead in the mighty name of Jesus. Stay blessed.